bond bull markets and bear markets tend to be generational. The, the last bond bull market was about 40 years. The prior bear market was about 33 or so. So this will be a generation, uh, a generation long uh, bear market. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. When today's guest expert appeared last on this channel, he warned about a potential moment when the bond market would lose faith in the Fed's ability to tame inflation, at which point it would start pushing yields substantially higher. Well, long bond yields have indeed surged over the past few months, setting U.S. Treasury bonds up for what looks like an unprecedented third consecutive year of losses, something that has never happened before in U.S. history. Are we indeed at the point where the bond market's confidence in the Fed has broken? Or is this an exceptionally attractive time to buy long bonds, as a number of other experts are now saying? For answers to this important question, we welcome back investor and analyst Bill Fleckenstein of Fleckenstein Capital to the program. Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Adam. Always a pleasure, Bill. Uh, like I said, uh, lots going on that I think your expertise is particularly well suited to try to help to try to help us think through here. Um, got a lot of questions for you about bonds, but real quick, um, if we can just start with a general question, I'd like to ask you: What's your current assessment of the global economy and financial markets? Well, I th I, I think we're slipping into recession, but it's it's not going to be quite what we've seen in the last twenty years. Both uh, the the recession after the stock bubble, um, which was over two thousand, you know, say late two thousand to early early o two, and the collapse after the real estate bubble, the economic collapse, were 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 were, were pretty. Were, was very easy to see what would happen when those bubbles burst. This is a, a quite a bit more uh, convoluted because of two things. Number one, normally the equity market begins to discount uh, economic troubles. And certainly, um, you know, ec as economy is deteriorating, companies miss numbers and they go and they decline rapidly, the indices sink. But with the passive bid warping the market, the equity market doesn't give this the, the signal, the forward-looking signals that it you know that it did in the past, in my opinion. So the, because if, we know how the passive bid works, I'm sure you your listeners understand. If they don't, they should listen to Mike Green. Okay. Um, this is your giant mindless robot that we talk about. Exactly. As passive flows come in, exactly. they have to go to certain parts exactly. of the market. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the four hundred one k's still get money, and so then the money goes to Vanguard and BlackRock, and they allocate money and they buy stocks. There's no thought at all. So that I think has put a bid under the market that that if we had this. If we had, if passive had the same market share, sorry, if passive today had the same market share it had in 2000 or 2008, the equity market would be lower. The equity market being lower would have people viewing the economic data a little more suspect. Maybe companies would be a little quicker to uh, cut back on labor, but it, it, that, that's the hand we have to play. In addition, because of the inflation and the, and the increase in, in the prices of so many things, the nominal data looks pretty strong even now in real terms we might not you know we might be we, we might be seeing negative growth in real terms depending on what you think the inflation rate is and while i'm on the topic of the inflation rate there is no one inflation rate every consumer 
has a similar has, sorry has a has a, a, a different or, or every kind of group of people that are same age same kind of job they have they experience a different inflation rate than does you know somebody who's maybe already has a house and has a lot of assets that's wealthier mm-hmm. so there's a bunch of different inflation rates and the the bond market's prediction isn't a prediction the tips market prediction isn't a prediction this is just math Okay, that, that you know they they derive what they think it will be based on the break-evens and the tips. Anyway, I don't want to go in the weeds on that. But what I, my, but my point is, the inflation rate is is large is not just what the government states it to be because the CPI is so phony. I described I took a, almost a whole chapter in my book to just talk about that. Any case, so I think pe- people have an inflation idea in their head. And it doesn't change daily, like the like the mainstream media says. You know, uh, you know the the tips widen, and therefore inflation expectations change today or hourly or by the minute. I mean, nobody's opinion changes that rapidly. That's that's nonsense because it's a derived uh, idea from a price change. So, in the inflation, the 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 the, the mind share of inflation is probably the highest it's been. You know, since the. 70s. That doesn't mean the rate we're experiencing is the highest, but people are hadn't worried about it for the last couple of decades, and now they are concerned about it. And there's a big battle between, you know, is it transitory or is it transitory? The pure transitory crowd has lost that argument, but they're still uh, hoping or expecting that we're going to see a real amelioration in the rate of change, which we will because of base effect. But the question: What happens from there? So inflation, do we go back to the two decades we had prior to, say, 2021 or two? Or are we in a period where inflation is going to be, um, you know, in the three to five range, if not higher, um, for the for the next group of years? I'm in the latter camp. So the reason I bring that up is um, because um, that matters to the bond market. But as it as it, as it um, pertains to the economy, the fact that nominal prices are up and there's this passive bid, a lot of the data looks okay and the market's doing okay. So there isn't a there aren't a lot of there's not as much angst about a potential recession as I think the data would ordinarily trigger. That was a long way to try to say that. <laughs> okay, but but it's an important point. You actually uh, you raised a lot of things there. I want to build off of. Um, all right. So um, on on why you expect inflation to be higher going forward, sort of secularly, I, I want to dig into that. And if, and if in your answer, you can react to something that uh, Lynn Alden just said. I literally just interviewed her yesterday. Okay. And we talked about how, um, I mentioned this a couple of times on this program, but we talked about how uh, right now the Fed and the banking system along with it is jamming on the economic brakes, right? But we have the fiscal side of the equation, Congress and the administration jamming on the accelerator with all the deficit spending. And, um, uh, you know, if you do that with a car, you overheat the engine. Um, I think the same thing can kind of happen economically. And by jamming on that accelerator uh, with deficit spending, it's pretty hard not to expect some future inflation to come out of that. Is that part of your worldview here? Yeah, it's co- it's complex because... What really matters, in my opinion, are inflation expectations. And there's no real number. I mean, you know, some of these surveys ask people about their inflation ex- expectations. But I remember vividly in the late 70s and the early 80s, people pe- people believed the inflation rate could not be brought under control. 
That was a mindset, okay? That wasn't a number. And for the last 20 years, people have had this notion that we were one step away from deflation and we really couldn't create inflation. You know, these idiots at the Fed talked about not being able to get to their 2% target, which they made up. It's not a, it's not a true, it's not a target in the, in the Fed's charter. They just made it up. Yeah. So inflation is far easier to create than it is to break once psychology changes. And so what I believe is psychology has changed. And that's why you see some of these aggressive wage demands from the auto workers, you know, any place where people have a bit of bargaining power, they're asking for as much as they can get because the inflation rate's been higher than it's actually been stated as, and people know that, and they, 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 they're trying to take care of themselves. And that psychology doesn't change easily. As I say, the, the, the media writes like people's opinions of inflation and all that changed by the minute. You know, they're constantly changing. That's that's complete nonsense. So I think the inflation, and this was the part that I was focused on when they were doing all the things that I thought would create inflation, when the transitory seems said, said it would be transitory. I thought we'd created an environment. Part of it was people seeing that you might not be able to get things, and so there'd be a bit of a buy in advance. And I just think the fabric of what on when what fabric of what went on during the COVID nonsense and then the subsequent inflation and what people experienced. I think have changed psychology for quite some time and, and, until such time as it changes. And I don't see what that is yet. Something will come along, I, I suspect, but we're in the, we're, we're in the other, we're in a different world now than we have been for the last 20, 25 years. Okay. So in the start of your answer, you said, we, we, you think we may be slipping into recession. Uh, I mean, could a, not, you're not necessarily calling for a bad recession, but you feel free to clarify, but could a bad recession change that mindset where it goes from, I'm demanding a higher wage to, I, I just want any wage? Well, once they've already got, if it's a collective bargaining agreement, once they've got the wage hike, yes, the company can save money by laying people off, but the people they have, they can't go back on what they agreed to. You know? Sure, on on you know, if you're a United Auto worker who struck a deal, but I'm yeah, just talking yeah. generally well, general in, consumer in, mindset. In, in, yeah, in general, uh, yeah, that 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 will change too. But you know, another factor that adds to the inflation that doesn't get talked about is when the Fed overdoes it on the on the easy money side, and the stock market goes crazy. Most these most public companies uh, grant stock options for their employees. So they may not have a W-2 that says, you know, says one thing, but then they get the stock options added in. So now they've got more money. So if you look at the uh, bubblish sort of moves in the equity market, that was asset inflation. But there was a component that fed into inflation, which people haven't talked about forever, right? So um, um, I, I, I think that the you know, in general, yes, you'd rather have a job with a little less money than no job at all, particularly if it's a decent job. But um, I don't think we're I don't I don't think that that I don't think that's going to change the overall dynamic at this juncture. Now we'll see what 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 where events go in the market, and and, and that could change. But for right now, I don't see that. Okay, as, all an, right. outcome, well, then, as an outcome, I need. Okay, all right. So um, you said you see, you know three to five-ish, you know, inflation going forward from here. That's maybe the new baseline. Um, getting back to what I mentioned in the introduction, right, which is when you were on this channel last, we had a really long discussion about your 
concern at that point in time. You know, I don't think you were saying it's definitely going to happen, but you were saying, hey, if this continues sort of on this trajectory, if the Fed proves that it shows that it cannot tame inflation at some point, the bond market's going to say, whoa, wait a minute then, then we need to reprice things, buddy. Um, as I said, bond yields on the long end have started moving in the past month and a half. Um, is this potentially the bond market adopting your view, which is, you know what, we think there's going to be higher inflation going forward. We don't think Powell's going to be successful in getting and keeping it below two. And therefore, we want to reprice things. Or is there something else driving the current dynamic? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's a complex. It's complex, and of course, I don't know. I'm guessing, but the it's a process. People who lose confidence slowly over time, and then you know, all at once, they say, "Ah, it's never going to change." And that's 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 later towards the end, or a, a, a big trend move. But um, it, the that it, 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 it's a process, um, and so I think. We're in the early stages, or, or it's already begun, of the process of the bond market taking the printing press away. Now, what do I mean when I say that? That that means that when the Fed does something that they've done in the past, like maybe hint that they're going to pause, the bond market can't rally. And and in, and in a version I think we'll see down the road is the Fed may cut rates. And not too long after, see longer rates rise. That we're not we're not to that part of the to the movie yet. Okay, and sorry, no. sorry to interrupt you there, but that will be material because normally when the Fed cuts rates, you right. see yields go right. down, right? right? So this will be upside down world all of a sudden for everybody. Right. right, and so I think you know that could be that could be if the Fed pauses, it continues to be on the pause that they they're on right now. Let's just say that they don't tighten anymore because the data looks. The economic data looks a little bit softer. It's starting to be that way, although you know it's, you get stuff that bounces around like retail sales, but there that's a nominal price difference. It's not real, so the inflation rate can make retail sales look stronger than they really are. Right. Um, 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 but um, the the fact of the matter is, supply enters into this too, and that's part of part of the problem. Supply hasn't mattered, i.e., the size of the deficit hasn't mattered for 40 years. So people have become complacent about that. But now we have, we have a situation where supply is enormous and people now aren't as sure as they were that the investment case for bonds where the 10 year yields, uh, you know, what does it yield today? Uh, four, 480 ish um, is what they want to do. See also because the yield curve is inverted Flat to you know, flat inverted. It's, well, it's inverted. Um, if you, you have to have a stronger case to want to own bonds, when the curve is normally shaped, you can you can you can you got positive carry, right? So if you're in a, a financial institution, you have positive carry. So you might you might give the bond market, sorry, bonds, the benefit of the doubt. 
which shall I own them or not? Because you get positive carry. If you get positive carry long enough, that gives you some cushion for prices bouncing around. Now we have a situation where there's no positive carry. And all the people who did that played, you know, were in that business, banks, they've got, you know, massive losses on the held to maturity part of their book. Right. So we don't have we don't have the same level of buyers um, in, in the banking system that we that we we have in the last 20 years. Japanese and Chinese investors appear to be selling. Um, and um, so and, and so is the Fed. And meanwhile, the deficit's out of control. So you have so if I'm looking at buying a bond for investment because I'm not making money on a carry, I say to myself, OK, I got I don't I see these other buyers aren't there. I see the bonds are out of control. If I have a half a brain, I know I can't trust the Fed, but a lot of people do. I mean, do I really want to buy them at 480? Nah, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll stay short two to three years. I get a little higher yield anyway. Yes, I missed the opportunity to lock them up if rates are going to drop. But um, I, I don't think anyone really, I mean, a lot of speculators tend to think that, but I don't think, you know, somebody who's deciding whether they want to invest in bonds is thinking that. So it takes... A, a more compelling case or a, 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 a better rate of return for people to want to step up and buy bonds and sit on them. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, 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 that's how the market is starting to work to sort of take the printing press away. Now people I think still believe the fed. And so if the fed were to, let's say that they, they pause um, at the next meeting, it looks like they're really going to pause. Let's say that, and let's say the stock market got ugly and we got some bad data in the Q, in Q4. They might hit hint that they were going to ease. If you then saw after a rally, there'd be a knee-jerk rally in you know seven years out and out. But if then you start to see the you know bonds starting to leak, i.e., yields start to rise again, you, you, you'd say, well, well, maybe um, maybe people aren't they, they don't quite trust the Fed. Now, if that happened, then bonds would get worse. And if there was trouble in the economy and the stock market, that'd get worse. And you'd have a, a bit of it feeding on itself and maybe bonds could bounce. I mean, it's going to be complicated. But the next data point to, to, to look at is what happens after the next easing. Now, if we don't get enough bad economic data, that may be farther out. So I don't know. But I, I think it's clear that the um, um, that, that, that bond buyers aren't, behaving as they did in the prior 20 years you know over the last couple of years they're not behaving as they did over the prior 20 years got it and and would you say they're being much more uh selective and sort of you know de demanding payment for risk where i would say the past 20 years they were kind of just like we're not worried about anything so yeah kind of you know the mentality was different can't, can't really have inflation. And again, there's positive carry. So you have positive carry. So there's a whole, there's a whole lot of buyers that would be there. Now, all those buyers are upside down right now. So they're not buying. Fed's not buying. Foreigners aren't buying, as I said. So now you need people to, to actually say, hey, do I want to own these? Do I, I have cash. Let's have some cash. Do I want to buy the two-year or three-year? Do I want to buy the 10-year, 20, 30? Well, I think if you do, if, if, if you have a, a mindset like I, I, well, I think they have, I think a lot of people right at this juncture would rather choose to uh, uh, buy the short end. And of course, Janet's trying to fiddle the, the maturity structure. So she just as soon issues shorter paper anyway. So right. um, I, I just I just don't think people are eager to lock up rates. Now, you'll see a lot of specs move money around if the, if the data gets weak enough. 
But I mean, this is going to be this 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 issue and this problem of financing the deficit and and um, uh, uh, finding trying to find buyers for bonds is going to be with us for quite some time, I think. So so let's talk about that, uh, and then I'm going to make the other side of the argument and let you poke holes in it. But um, we have what I've said often uh, recently is we have a wartime deficit and a peacetime economy. Yes. And for those folks that have been saying, hey, we're sending money to Ukraine and whatnot, right? Yeah, but we we don't have our, you know, our troops committed. We aren't re-engineering, you know, U.S. corporations to, to build war material the way that we made the car companies build tanks and planes back there, right? So we, we haven't marshaled, you know, our, our economy around a war like we did in World War II or World War I. Um, but, uh, but we have, you know, one of the, one of the highest debt, uh, sorry, deficits to GDP ratio we've ever had. And we've never had it here at this level when we've had like unemployment this low, right? right. So we are, right. we are spending like drunken sailors, if you want to put it that way. And I imagine, and this is tied to your inflation expectations, but I imagine the bond market is beginning to say, all right, that's going to be problematic. <laughs> and so we want higher yield as a result. Yeah, that's, right? that's one of the risks because the unstated risk is, let's say push comes to shove and there's really, you know, there's the economy's not doing that well. Maybe it's a clear to see stagflation. The stock market maybe doesn't do as well as it has. Although again, there's a passive bid there, so that works it. Um, you know, I, I, I there, there, the, people have to be compensated for the risk of massive supply, potential for inflation to not be under control, and the potential for the Fed to have to blink even though it knows maybe it's making a mistake because, you know, the, the, the financing the deficit could get to be a problem. So there's a little bit of recursiveness to the to the bond supply, making people be extra careful because of that supply. And, you know, uh, so, again, it makes finding buyers and financing a deficit that much more difficult. OK, so um, so I get all those reasons why bond holders would say, I'm going to prefer the short end of the curve than the long I'm going to demand higher yields on the long when I take it uh, for these risks. Um, now let's flip to the other side of the argument, right? Where there are people who are saying, you know, first off, we've never had three straight years of losses in U.S. Treasury bonds. We're probably going to lock one in this year, you know, and they're probably, I think they're saying the odds of us doing that four years in a row, the odds of us doing it three years in a row were very small, four years in a row, infinitesimal. So to a certain extent, there's just sort of a reversion to the mean argument out there. Secondly, you know, they're saying, um, hey, look, yields going this high are going to break something. <laughs> and maybe we're we're uh, slipping into recession, but maybe we start, you know, hurtling headlong into one, you know, if, uh, if, if rates really start causing things to break. And so that will activate the number one historical buyer of U.S. Treasuries who has put themselves on the sidelines recently, which is the Fed. Right. So forget about everybody else. The the big buyer in the room has always been the Fed and they're just not at the table right now. Well, if the Fed comes back to the table, especially if they're in rescue mode, oh, we'll probably see a bunch of stimulus that's going to bring, you know, interest rates down. Um, or, you know, and this is probably the lesser case scenario. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe the Fed does win. Maybe it gets inflation down to 2% and it says, OK, mission accomplished. We're going to start bringing rates down as well. So, um, you know, those people are using those arguments to say, my God, this may be one of the best times ever to, you know, put some money out in the long end of the bond curve, because when 
yields go down, prices will go up, and I'm going to get paid a nice amount, you know, all throughout the way. And it's a treasury bond. It's well, there's a lot of assumptions that we just just got made there in that. In, in that Absolutely, market. I want you to take your chainsaw to him. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the framework that's that worked for 20, 25 years. What I'm saying is we're fundamentally in a different spot now. We're more like we were in the 70s. We've got this massive deficit. It's not going to be brought under control. We've got this underlying inflation smoldering, and um, I don't think they're going to get, get in under control. If we start to get weakness and the Fed starts to ease, um, you know, I'm not saying there won't be a rally, but um, what is that really going to cure? I mean, you know, people have had dis have had deflation on the brain for 25 years. Has it been any deflation? I mean, the, the price of goods and services. March higher. X, X, S, X CPI uh, uh, magic uh, adjustments. We haven't had deflation. And yet people act like it's around the corner. We had rates at zero during COVID. I mean, how insane was that? Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, from the, from the can't have four years in a row. I mean, well. You know, we had a 41-year bond bull market, plus or minus, and now we're in a that ended in negative rates. I might add, um, and so, and now we're now we're starting on to the brave new world as a consequence of the of the QE and the um, NERP and ZERP that we that that that, that the central banks precipitated. So, um, you know, just because the economy weakens. You know, you know, may, you know. What if we get a situation where nominal growth gets gets down to two, and inflation is still three or four? I mean, yeah. that's that's negative GDP. That that that's a recession. Well, it, you know, if if the data that coincides with that has the causes the Fed to ease a bit, like I say, what what are bonds going to do? And that's going to be the sixty four trillion dollar question. Is there will be a rally for sure, but from there. Do they start? To, do they behave like people think? Now, if you get a more positive slope, show positively slope curve, it may help some. Uh, but um, you know, uh, it's going to be a long process. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see a scenario on the horizon. Although I could make one up, where I, where you'd want to own, you want to lock up 10, 20, 30 year paper because it's so attractive. You know. Okay, and and part of why I'm asking this questions like this bill um is because i've had some people on the show no, i know say, hey, i understand. this is the best time of my you're... career yeah no no no, no. i understand that i, I um, understand that it's an argument but... that people make and i should have an answer for it yeah well and hey and that's what makes a market right i mean right. you get exactly. smart people looking at the same data having different different forecasts so if i if i hearing you correctly in the in the instance where something breaks fed has to step in i hear you saying okay sure there'll probably be some short-term rally but the rubber's going to meet the road after the dust settles there. And I think you're yeah, saying, let, let, yeah, just let me say yeah. like, look, something broke this spring, Silicon Valley bank, you know, all the, this, the, um, the um, Republic bank. So the fed, the fed came out with a facility, you know, the BT, whatever it is called. BFTP. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then they bailed out the depositors at Silicon Valley bank. Now, if there was ever a financial institution that deserved to have the people that were above the the um, the uh, fi, uh, not FICA um, FDIC FDIC thing FDIC deposit levels take a haircut. It should have been the depositors of that bank at it's large, about, right? yeah. and they probably based on what I saw, they probably would have got back 90, 90 cents in the dollar. So they lost ten percent for being totally uh, for not doing any due diligence, and but that didn't happen. That was going to be too draconian. 
And 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 they you got a they got a bond rally out of it. But now here we are, and the Fed's talk, people think the Fed's gonna pause and rates are higher. So they rode to the rescue like they used to. And now after uh, uh, a rally and twists and turns, rates are higher. So that's the kind of thing that I expect to happen. When there's an accident, they'll try to do it. It'll look like, okay, it's back to business, the, the 1995 to 2021 sort of era. Yeah. And, and, and that'll turn out not to be. So that, that, that's, that's a really good analogy. And so, you know, I, I, again, I sort of look at your interpretation is, yes, we'll, we'll have these events. And yes, the, that, that might make the world work the way that we've kind of been used to the past 20 years or so. But then as the dust settles, these guys are going to say, um, hmm, okay, uh, the Fed just intervened here. Inflation wasn't tamed. We're still doing a bunch of deficit spending. Now the Fed's stimulating. Well, that's going to create more inflation in the future. And now that I think about it, I want higher yields. Yeah, or, or, or maybe if you don't think, well, it might not now, but it's not coming down. In other words, the people become more and more convinced that the era that we were in that, that started with Greenspan yep, is over. Behavior response is over. Now they wouldn't say it that way. I would say it that way, but that's the consequence. That people have a recency bias. They think the markets, markets work pretty much as they have for the last 25 years. That's not true. You know, they they work different ways in different periods. And we've gone through lots of different points in time, uh, sorry, different environments in the past, but we're, we're I think everyone is working from the wrong playbook, and that's the one they've they, they've learned in the last couple of decades. Okay, so let's let's actually talk about that playbook. The playbook since 1980 in bonds has been ride the decrease. Not, not, no, yeah, but it, it didn't start. It wasn't in 1980 because um, I remember I owned bonds in 82 and 80, in 84. The yields backed up to around 10 percent again. Hey, they might have gotten to 12 because people were afraid that Volcker had was going to be too easy and People, it was it was the last. Pe people thought, "Oh my God, we're not really going to conquer inflation." There was one more lurch back, and that was the yeah. last great buying opportunity. It really wasn't. It really wasn't until Greenspan got hold of, and you know and saved the world after the '87 crash, which was caused by portfolio insurance, which is not so dissimilar to the um, maniacal madness of of a massive passive bid. Um, but but it was Greenspan in 95 and particularly in 98. Somebody pointed out to me on Twitter yesterday that Saturday was the 25th anniversary of the, the rate cut that he did on Friday afternoon while the market was open after the long-term capital debacle. Capital, yeah. I just reread that chapter. And what people don't realize is they'd already been cutting rates. And you can, you can read the Fed minutes. You couldn't at the time, but you can go back and read them. And I wrote about it. Um, there was no real angst about the economy. Greenspan did it because he wanted to goose the market. And 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 that was the start of the Greenspan put, which fueled the speculation that blew the top off in 2000. And there, we've had this, you know, this Greenspan put idea that's, you know, maybe it's been slightly disabused in the last, you know, few years. But anyway, what I'm saying is the the 80s weren't like they they, they, they were they were different than than what we saw in the mid 90s to here. That's okay. That's the only differentiation I'm making. Okay. Okay. And all I'm trying to say is, is for a couple decades, the the trend in bonds was just ride down yields. Yeah. yeah right? Just follow the Fed. Whatever they're doing, you know, if they're easing buy bonds, if they're tightening, eh, just kind of hang on for a while, and then you know, as, you know, after they've done it for a while, you can get ready for the easing again. And you buy bonds, right? Right. But the trajectory was one pretty much right. a steady, steady move down in yields, which means right. a steady rise in prices. Right. 
Correct. Are you now expecting that we have we have passed some sort of event horizon oh, and yeah. going forward for some period of time, probably measured in years or decades? No, no, decades. Decades. Yeah. That it'll be the inverse. Yeah. Bond, bond, bull markets and bear markets tend to be generational. The the last bond bull market was about 40 years. The prior bear market was about 33 or so. So this will be a generation. Uh, a generation-long uh, bear market, I, I would think. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be big rallies along the way, and it doesn't mean that something, some accident might be big enough to actually change that. I don't think so, because the response is going to be the printing press until such time as the printing press won't work, and that's going to take a few iterations to get to that point. If Got it. You, you, you've, you've said it's all about mindset, right? That's what changes... Yeah, know, mindset and the, math, and the math. There's got to be some math behind it. Right? Sure, but 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 what you're saying is is it, it once Pavlov's dog has been trained to salivate when it hears the bell, it takes a while before you can untrain that, right? So we're going to have this mushy period where people are still expecting the Fed to come to the rescue, and maybe it'll work for a little bit, but over time they're going to realize, oh, the Fed is not the savior it's been. Printing money allowed the can to be kicked by the government, state, local, federal, uh, and, and, and um, you know, as asset prices rose, tax receipts went up and, 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 and all of that. And the Fed was able to finance, or sorry, the Fed was able to set a scenario where uh, the bonds were easily financed. Um, and that period is, is, is behind us. Okay. So um, from what I'm gathering from you, it sounds like you're probably you know, of the mindset of like, hey, yeah, folks should buy lots of short-term, you know, debt because it's a great risk reward yeah, right you're now. You're getting paid to park your money if you're not sure what to do. Yeah. So that sounds great. Sounds like you're saying, I'm not so sure about long-term debt. Maybe some speculative money if you want to play that balance that you were talking about, but you're not making I, a case. I, no, no, no. You got to be a professional to do that. You, okay. you know, people think they can trade the TLT at home. Maybe some people are good enough, but I think that's a bad way to try to make money. Okay, um, and look, you you got a you're very well known for your history as a as a short seller. Is this a short rich market on the bond side at this point? See, the, the the problem with that is it's so hard to get. What edge do you have? You know, if you think you're capable of shorting individual stocks because you figured out expectations are here, reality's here. You've got a catalyst, and maybe the company started to stumble. You you have discrete variables you can track and say, aha. My thesis is starting to be bit borne out, and I can now capitalize this. The bond short, if it's just if it's a treasury, is a pure macro trade. And you know, while you might think you have an edge there, you don't know what might happen. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, world events happen. Look at the you know the massacre in Israel over the weekend. I mean, you know, that part of the world tends to produce those kinds of surprises. So maybe we're not supposed to be surprised. But we are surprised, you know, and of course, the brutality helps to make it surprising. I'm just saying things can happen that you didn't have factored in on your bingo card. Right. And so um, trying to make now I have been short off and on bonds. I, I didn't trade it as well as I would have liked because I got chased out near the highs, you know, a couple of summers ago. And then I didn't get back on board. I've been short some this year, but I've never found the right entry point since I got bounced out, you know, because I was getting run over. And okay. And, and we've talked in the past about how a shorts game is really a professional Yeah. And, and with game. bonds, you've got to be levered to really make any serious money. 
unlike stocks, I mean, you, you know, you can have puts, you can be short stuff. So it, it, it's now guys that are good at credit can make money being short, bad credits and mess and, and, you know, um, do arbitrage in the capital structure. But I, I would be completely in, in, incompetent at trying to do that. Okay. Um, not so much as an individual investor um, angle, but, but just with your macro hat on, on that part, um, how concerned are you about um, the, you know, the, the, the schedule ahead of us of debt coming up for maturity at, at corporations, many of whom, you know, I can't remember what the exact estimate is of a percent of the corporate fleet. That's a zombie corporation, but we got a bunch of companies that are sitting on, you know, very low cost debt that they were smart enough to pile on. And they're kind of hoping to, that can make it through before the fed starts, uh, or, or that the fed will start, uh, pivoting before that maturity rate comes due, but the longer we're higher for longer, um, those companies, it's a ticking time bomb, right? So how worried about you are on the impact of the general economy of those, those, when those maturities hit the cost of debt re-rating for corporate America? Well, I, you know, it'll be, a, it'll, it'll be an issue. I, I, I don't think it's an issue right now because, you know, the, that, that, that it's too far out. I mean, it's a variable, um, but um, I, I don't, I, I think it may matter on an individual level more because, you know, depending on the capital structure, you know, if a company has to pay more for interest, they have to pay more for interest. That's going to hurt profit margins, but it's not like uh, it's not an 08 situation. Okay. I it's, mean, because for a lot of these companies, it'll be a doubling at least of the cost of their uh, debt. You know, I mean, so that's going to hurt margins, right? And maybe they'll lay people off and there'll be a reaction to that. But it's not like if you say worried, it's not like, oh, my God, is it a black hole like 08 turned out to be as the banking system was melting down. The corporate the corporate maturity structure um, and, and need to refinance, I don't think is a is a systemic event necessarily. I mean, the, the real estate commercial real estate problem, you know, for the regional banks and some of the insurance companies um, are, is going to be a problem. All these things are problems that they've all been can kicked. And the re and, and 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 the reason the problem exists is of idiots. The Fed took the race to zero, right? And they did QE. I mean, I've been saying this forever. The Fed creates the problem, then they create the massive amount of misallocated capital. Then they start to you know tighten way too late. Eventually, something breaks. They start easing, and everyone treats them like a hero because they 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 bailed out the problem that they created. They are the problem. We would never have $33 trillion in debt and a budget deficit of whatever the number is between one and a half and two trillion or wherever it's going to be. If the Fed hadn't for, for, for the last 25 years, just rode to the rescue all the time. And there was never a consequence to being irresponsible other than, you know, for a couple of, you know, except for, yeah. you know, 08. So hey, can I ask you in, in your reaction there too, totally get it, totally agree with you. Um, would you lump fiat currency into the mix as well well yeah that that, that, that I, yes but it, it you know germany did a pretty good job of managing the deutschmark so while you know while fiat currencies are prone to abuse which doesn't exist know, anymore but but anyways yeah yeah but that's because the euro was created <laughs> right right, right which is now a pure fiat but yeah right right exactly so uh i don't think fiat currency per se um because if you if you if you have a monitor approach to it, which is what Volcker did to break the back of inflation, a policy his policy, then then you've got 
there's only so, so much increase in the in 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 credit and the money supply that can be created if you're if you're if you look at where, where the M's are going to go. They're not a perfect measure, but but there's a there's a there's a finite amount of growth, and if it gets above that, then you react to it. That's not dissimilar to what the gold standard created, right? In terms mm -hmm. of, you know, we find more new gold, you have it on your balance sheet, you can have, there's more expansion potential. So I think a monetarist approach might make certain currencies sound, but no, no, one's, no one's following that right now. So I wouldn't say necessarily it's purely the fiat currency that, that, that does make it easier. Right, but it's an exacerbating effect along exactly, with the exactly. Maker, right? But I don't yeah. think it's the problem. I think the irresponsibility of the central banks is the problem. And you can look at the Bundesbank days of old. Look, the Swiss franc used to be a good currency too, until these crazies went out and you know took rates below zero and you know put Apple and all these other stocks in their balance sheet. Now it's kind of worked out, you know, on this fact the stocks have appreciated, but um, you know we'll see how that how how it ends. Okay. And that so, doesn't mean it was a sound policy either. I don't mean to. Okay. Um, so beyond, you know, central bankers gone wild from here, um, what else kind of keeps you up at night? Like, what are the risks that you're most worried about? Well, I, well, they're, they're more, as an investor, sorry, as an investor. Well, I was going to say, like, yeah. there are more, more worries than finance when you look yeah. at the open Southern border we have and, and what kind of bad guys might have let in that are going to cause trouble. But a lot of those kind of things, the complete dysfunction of my city and other city, you know, so those are what those things keep me up more than the, the, the financial markets. Now, at some point, the passive bid is going to get to a point where it's a problem. And so if we get into the next recession, there's enough layoffs. You know, I'm just hope, hoping Mike Green lets us all know he thinks the data is <laughs> where it is. Uh, we'll maybe uh, be able to sense it. So if that passive bid ever starts to unravel and they got to go the other way, that is going to be an epic problem. And that's a that's a watch out below problem, right? It's a who to problem. I need to sell this. Who to? You've been the only you were an insensitive buyer for the last 15 years, paid any price, you know, built these portfolios with you know prices companies like Apple with a three trillion, two and a half trillion dollar market cap, no growth and a 30 PE. I mean, and I give you a lot of other examples. Yeah. I mean, if people if people get out of the drunk phase and have to and, and get back to doing math, like, OK, I can get this in a bond. So my P.E. ought to be about that, which I can change based on I can pay, pay a dividend rate, how what the earnings growth looks like, what the mode is around the business, how strong the margins are. When people get back to analysis. Um, you know, those the, those kind of companies are, are you know, are going to be under a lot of pressure. So there are a whole lot of consequences from what we from what we've gone through. I don't think the passive bid would have ever gotten as big as it did if the Fed hadn't, you know, rode the rescue in the bond market and helped the equity market behave as it did. Now, maybe they would have been able to lobby well enough and we'd still be in the same place. But I don't think the securities prices would be anywhere near as high as they are and therefore as dangerous. OK, um, look, I mean, if and when we hit that point, kind of almost unknowable at this point right now. But what yeah. if, if on your DEFCON level, right, where five is you know, happy days are here. And, and number one is we're about to press the nukes. Um, wh where are we on that threat, do you think? I mean, in, 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 from from what perspective, I'm not, I'm not quite clear on the question. Oh, sorry, about the, the giant mindlet robot potentially shifting. I, 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 I don't, based on what I've been able to learn and based on what I, what, what I have, you know, in, in listening, talking to Mike, um, I think it can't really happen until we have serious layoffs. 
So it's one of those kind of things that you have to be aware of it. You can't act based on it. You just have to be aware. And if it starts to occur, then you can react, right? I mean, I didn't know. So I didn't know this spring these banks were going to implode, but when they did, it caused a chain reaction of other things. So you have to be aware of what could happen and know what you think you might want to do if it does happen. I mean, so, uh, you know. If it does, are you going to cram your short hat back on and start going out? Probably. I mean, yeah, probably. But I mean, again, you don't want to walk around with that, you know, with investments based on the fact that that's going to happen, you know, sometime soon because you'll be, you know, unless you get lucky, you'll be run over. Right. But yeah. Okay. So it sounds like I'm, I'm going to, it's just, something to correct. It's, just, it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. And potentially sounds like you're a DEF CON three or four. Like you're, you, you want to be aware that you might see it, but you're not. Yeah, you're, no, no, planning no. There's for no it. reason taking any action. I mean, look, you have a day like today where, I mean, this is what today's Tuesday. The bonds are down hard. And after opening lower, the market's, uh, you know, modestly green and expensive stocks are floating higher. So, and then people, people start to think that the passive bid comes in and you got the other structured products thing. Uh, you know, guys like Sam, uh, uh, Jim Croissant is very good at, at, at talking about that. And there are other guys, Chris Cidiol, there's a whole handful of people in that world that have talked about the fact that these structured products, when combined with the passive bid, make the market look artificial. I mean, like, you know, but on any given day, this there's, there's there's no rhyme or reason how it trades. It has nothing to do with the fundamentals anymore. Never. It used to not have uh, that much relationship on, on a day-to-day basis, but now it's totally disconnected for the most part. Okay. And you have been in the game for a long time. So that really is saying something about the current situation. By the way, as you've been talking, I've, I've written some notes. One is to get Mike Green back on to build off of this conversation. Yeah, you really should. He, he is, I mean, don't need to tell you, he is one ferociously smart guy. Yep. Um, and then Jam Croissant. I've had a couple other people ping me to say, hey, you oh, should get the guy on the show. So he's great. I'm, he's great. I'm, I'm, I'll he's, reach out to him. He's really great. He'll open people's eyes to a world that they, they may not be able to really understand and know how to um, navigate necessarily, but they'll just be aware of why you have to, th- th- you have to know the game you're playing. If, if you took an investor from the 70s or 80s or 90s even and brought him in today's environment, without having watched what's going on and understanding about the things I just talked about, they'd be lost. Fundamentals have, well, because fundamentals have nothing to do with, it's the, the, the disconnect between fundamentals and prices is way bigger than it used to be. And it was well, always a disconnect, but. Can you imagine that conversation? That you, you They come out of the time machine. They're now here and you sit them down, right? And you say, okay, here's our current debt levels, right? Here's yeah, the money yeah. supply. <laughs> I right. mean, they would say, no way. Like, has this- right. Which is another way of saying that people have been trained for the last couple of decades for a way uh, for 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 a fact set that no longer exists, and and they have to learn how to play the game as it was played before. And not that many people, um, you know, have 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 seen it. I mean, yeah, are are left alive. Yeah, you have to kind of be my age to have been in the business then. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it, I, I can't remember the latest stats, but I, I, something like some ridiculous percentage of, uh, you know, Wall Street uh, professionals, um, you know, like started after two thousand eight or something like that. I mean, they, there's they just so no, much of this history they don't know. Yeah, right. And and because or haven't seen, and because the facts haven't mattered as much as they used to. In a, in a, not many of them probably know financial history. So you don't know financial history. You don't know how 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 big of the, of an outlier 
the last two decades have been in yeah. terms of how economies and markets normally work. Yeah, and I'm going to make an analogy, and then and then I want to start closing by you know asking you about you know what are you looking at right now from an investing standpoint? Like, what do you like? What do you don't like? We've talked a lot about bonds, but there's obviously some other assets out there. But um, when I I used to work at Yahoo, and I joined Yahoo. Actually, I joined Yahoo on the day of Yahoo's first layoffs ever. So I joined like right when the party ended. Like yeah, it was yeah. just a money-making machine with no thought up until the day. <laughs> and uh, single-handedly destroyed the company. I, 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 it was crazy. Um, but uh, in the weeks after I arrived, I saw Yahoo having to completely gut and rebuild its Salesforce because the Salesforce were just order takers. You know, right. the, the muscles they had developed were, oh, people call us and throw money at us. And I'm just, you know, basically the guy that says, How, what's the biggest check you can write? And OK, right. They then they just didn't have the muscle to actually go out and prospect and sell. Right. The environment shifted and they had to replace the entire experience base. It sounds like you're saying a, a very similar transition is probably likely going to happen to today's in, investment professional fleet. Right, right. The, the the game we're playing, in the, in the game we're playing now, is different from the last twenty years, but it's also different from the '90s and '80s and '70s because even though there's elements of the '70s here, we've got the passive bid and structured products. So it's a very complicated game that's going on right now. That's different from. It's got elements of some of the past, but there's this new wrinkles too. So, okay, um, God, I could talk to you forever, Bill, but got to start wrapping up here. Um, Thank you, by the way. This has been a great discussion. My pleasure. Um, so what, you know, for, from an investing standpoint for folks that that just have to navigate the reality we have on the ground here, which is complicated and messy and uncertain. Um, okay, clearly, I think part of your, you know, recommendations would be, yeah, you know, hang out in the short end of the treasury curve, especially if you're not confident in what you think is going to happen. Um, in the past, I know you've been, you know, big into or favorable for gold miners because of their relative valuations. I think that relative valuations probably only gotten better because they've gotten shellacked uh, recently or, or for much of this year. Um, true, you still like those guys? Yeah, so, but, but I think the important message is this, as I just was alluding, the environment is particularly different. There's a lot of variables that are negative that you're not being compensated to accept. So I think what people, what my advice to anyone would be, be extra careful about what you're doing. And if you're not really sure, just be willing to, you're, you're at least getting some compensation for sitting on the sidelines. You're, you're maybe making a little money on a real rate, but you're not losing a lot from an inflation standpoint. You know, Which is that new. That hasn't yes. been the case for a so long now time. You have, so, it, it, so, so Tina's dead, right? And so now you have an alternative. So you have to just be a little more careful. Then you have to ask yourself, in what kind of businesses can I own in the environment we're going into? I think the best business is if you can find companies that have, are able to grow their units that are, in that are not particularly GDP sensitive and um, have pricing power and barriers to entry, those kind of businesses can do really well. A classic, you know, classic example would be of some... You know, if you had a drug company where the you know drug sales are not particularly GDP sensitive, you know that you got pricing power. I'm not advocating drug companies because in particular, but there's there are unique companies you can take rifle shots with. I, I've taken a few myself, um, um, and I don't really want to talk about them, but that's the kind of thing people could think about. I think you absolutely have to own some gold or precious metals. You know, and there hasn't been a really rip roaring run on them. 
you know, since prior to the run-up in 2011. There have been some decent rallies of the miners, but they haven't really done very well. And to your point, on a valuation basis, I think they're as cheap as they've ever been, particularly, um, uh, um, uh, you know, if you look at um, price to cash flow or, you know, they, they have real they have real cash flow now and the managements are 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 are, are um not likely to behave recklessly after the period we've been through so you know the, you can buy these things that you know what are very attractive valuations now you have to believe the price of gold is not going to collapse i don't think i don't think it's going to i mean what's remarkable about the price of gold is it's $1900 you know this year the etfs have sold like over 300 tons as of last week, there was no positioning in the futures market. In fact, they were short. Meanwhile, you've got central banks buying, not ours, not, not the G7 necessarily, are buying uh, gold in, in hand over fist in, in record amounts. So though their guys are in the central banking business, and normally they don't have a lot of respect for them, but it's so obvious to them that they should that, that gold is a beneficiary and they need it in their portfolio that they're buying it. Yeah. So I, I think you need to own some. How much you need to own is a function of your own situation, what the rest of your portfolio looks like. And yes, I think these mining stocks are, are you know, some of them are extremely attractive. And I think they have the potential to do really well. If we start to get interest from Western investors, i.e. North America, the price of gold is going to go up a lot because they're, they're, we've, we've, we, all the stuff that's come out of the ETF has gone to Asia. So we got to get those tons on top of the other demand that shows up and speculators. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people have felt there was some sort of a big top being made here. But if gold can get over 2000 and start to move higher, then people are going to say, oh, my God, it wasn't a top. It was a long basing period and I better get involved. So I think the 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 case is quite strong. And I think the reasons are, are, are you know, are, are, are close at hand. So I think you, you, that, that, that it's a, it's it's a, it's a great diversifier. You know, in, when I started the business in 1980, it was a prudent to to have say five to ten percent of your 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 money in gold, your portfolio. And that again depends on what other inflation hedges you might have. Well, if we get back to that, I mean, so the, the bullish yeah, we're, case, we're like less than one percent on average, aren't yeah, we? Now? Yeah, I mean, the, so the bull case is very strong, but right now that that bull case that I'm alluding to is kind of a theory. So which you have to have the theory. And then if it looks like it's starting to happen, that's when you can pork it up. That's when you that's when you, you know, back up the truck. All right, great. Well, we're going to have to leave it there from a time perspective. So, Bill, for folks that have really enjoyed this conversation, um, would like to follow you and your work going forward. Where should they go? Uh, my website is FleckensteinCapital.com. It's a pay site where I write a column every day and I answer questions. It's about 10, 12 bucks a month. I can't remember the exact price. I've looked. And then I have it. I'm, I'm on Twitter or X now, I guess we call it. Um, and I, my handle is at FleckCap. Great. Um, and when we uh, edit this, Bill, we'll put the URLs up there so folks know exactly where to go. Um, Bill, stay around for one second. Just want to give folks um, two resources to go look at. Um, one, you talked about, you know, what's really going to matter economically um, is what's going to happen with jobs. Um, and then you talked about, you know, the potential there for um, uh, the precious metals mining companies. Just want to remind folks that the uh, Wealthy on Online Fall Conference is coming up this weekend. So if you haven't registered for it yet, go to wealthion.com slash conference. Uh, amongst the amazing faculty we have there, our best ever, um, we're going to have Michael Kantrowitz, developer of the HOPE framework. The E in the HOPE framework stands for employment. We're going to be doing a super deep dive into that. So we'll know exactly where we are in the employment story right now. Um, and then uh, precious metals analyst Jeff Clark 
is recording a bonus video that everybody who uh, attends the conference or registers for it at least will get uh, that has his latest, most updated list on all the precious metals mining companies that he thinks offer the best relative value right now. Um, as Bill said, uh, really tricky time for uh, even well-seasoned, experienced, you know, professional investors, but certainly for the average investor, highly recommend um, that most people, especially if you've got a job to focus on, a family to take care of that deserves most of your attention, that you work with a good financial advisor uh, in navigating the future. Um, but make sure they're a good one and they're one that take into account all of the macro issues that Bill and I talked about. A lot of them do not. Um, if you don't have one or would like a second opinion from one who does, feel free to talk to the, one of the financial advisors endorsed by Wealthion. To do that, just fill out the short form at Wealthion.com. These consultations are totally free. There's no commitment to work with these advisors. It's just a free public service they offer to help as many people as possible, position as prudently as possible for the things that that Bill you know, prognosticates may lie ahead. Bill, I want to give you the last words here. Any parting bits of advice to today's investor? Just trying to make it through all this and hopefully not become roadkill. Be just be extra careful and realize that you can get paid to wait. But um, if real opportunities come along, you understand you can avail yourself of them. All right. Very well said. Bill, thanks so much for giving us so much of your time and your insight. Sure. Really look forward to having you back on the program again. Folks, if you want to see Bill come back on the program again soon, please vote, vote your support for that by hitting the like button and then clicking on the red subscribe button below. What was that little bell icon right next to it. Thanks so much again, Bill. Everyone else, thanks so much for watching.